Recently, I've been talking to my sons aged 8 and 12 about things that are too good to be true. A couple of years ago, around Christmas time, I saw some gifts that I wanted to buy the boys, and they were specifically Star Wars lightsabers, uh, toys that you could play with. They light up, they have the sound, special effects, all that kind of stuff that usually retail for about $100, $120. They were selling for like $20 each. I thought, wow, what an amazing deal. I got to jump on this before they sell out. And so, Went online, bought two of those to be shipped here. It was from a company I'd never done business with, but hey, it's online, it looked legit. Uh, long story short, of course, the lightsabers never showed up and the company never replied to my emails asking for them. Thankfully, my credit card company uh, took the, the cost off of my bill and I think they filed some kind of grievance with that company. Uh, but I got lucky on that. That was something that was definitely too good to be true. They, they set a, a, a trap for me, they put the bait in it, and I took it hook, line, and sinker. So use that as an example uh, with Luke and Nathan about things that are too good to be true. Or, hey dad, I just got an email that says if I click here, I get a free $500 Amazon gift card. All I have to do is click this button right here. Don't click the button. Don't click the link. Right? That is too good to be true. That's a scam. It's going to either put some kind of piracy software onto our computer, or somehow it's going to mess us up, some kind of a virus, don't click on that. Maybe you've received some of these emails that say that it's a person from another country, they want to move their fortune to America, uh, they just need somebody in America to help them with logistics. If you just send them a couple of thousand dollars, they will inherit this huge fortune. And so, again, too good to be true. Or sometimes we're on social media, we get a message from this beautiful person in their 20s who's wanting to move to America. Uh, we haven't met them in person, but they've seen us online. And uh, even though we've never had a conversation, they're madly in love with us. And all we have to do is help pay their expenses to get them here. Too good to be true. 2018, uh, American uh, fraudulent spending and scams online amounted to $800 million dollars. Uh, some of the dating scams that I kind of just mentioned uh, could average up to $21,000 each that it robs someone of. Things in life can certainly be too good to be true. And so uh, good luck in navigating that. I'm trying to help my boys navigate that. I've made some mistakes, obviously, uh, in falling for some of this bait that's out there. Things that are too good to be true. Now, as we come to this Advent and Christmas season, I'm wondering if you or maybe some of your friends or just people in the world in general, they hear about the Christmas story and they think that sounds a little bit too good to be true to me. That the God of the universe left heaven to come to the earth in the form of a baby to be among us, to bring in the kingdom of God among us. That sounds kind of too good to be true. Why would God leave heaven to become uh, a cute little baby, as cute as baby Jesus was, you know, to be weak and vulnerable. And all of that allows us to be in a right relationship with God, that everything that we've done wrong can be forgiven and our guilt and shame can be taken away and we can live life to the full now and live forever in the kingdom of God in heaven. That just seems, on the surface, to be too good to be true. But is it? Is it real or is it too good to be true. You ever thought about that, wrestled with that? Maybe you know someone who's wrestling with that or ask you that question. So let's think about that today. Is the Christmas story too good to be true? Well, let's jump right in and let's go to the Bible itself. 
If you're interested in reading more about the Christmas story, you can find that in Matthew and Luke. These are books in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew is the first book. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke is the third book. They're Gospels, which means they talk about the stories of Jesus. And Matthew and Luke are the only places in the Bible that really talk about the infancy birth of Jesus. And so today we're going to be in Luke's Gospel. Luke was a first century Christian, and he's writing about the story of Jesus. And we pick up the story today where just before Jesus is going to be born, uh, we talked last week about his cousin John the Baptist, who is God is sending to the earth to prepare the way for Jesus, uh, that he would go out and preach ahead of Jesus' coming and starting of his ministry. And today, we're going to meet John the Baptist's father. Uh, his name is Zechariah, and he is a priest. He's a holy man, and he's going to do his duty in the temple. It's kind of like a national cathedral where all the people of Israel worshipped, and he's going to do his duty. And uh, he and his wife uh, have not been able to have children. They are advanced in age, as the Bible says, and it says that Elizabeth, his wife, is barren. She's not able to bear children, and this has been a painful thing for them. And so Zechariah is in the midst of doing his duty in the temple, and an angel shows up and says to him that he and his wife are going to have a baby, and the baby's going to grow up and prepare the way for the Messiah, prepare the way for Jesus. And so Zechariah has been dealt this news from the angel Gabriel, and so let's jump into Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and see what his reaction is. Because this is kind of a, a Christmas miracle for him. And could this be too good to be true for him? Let's see what happens in Luke, chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So Zechariah hears this amazing message from the angel Gabriel, that he and his wife in their advanced years, not able to have children, are now going to have a child, a son, and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And, hey, I don't blame him for being a little skeptical. That does sound a little bit too good to be true. And so when he asks the angel, how can he know this? Uh, and the angel responds, hey, you don't believe me? Then you're not going to be able to speak until the baby's born. You know, on the one hand, it's kind of like, yeah, you got to trust an angel. Well, the other hand is, I'd probably be asking the same question. How can I know that this is legitimate? How can I know that you're an angel? How do I know that I'm going to have a child when I haven't been able to have a child before this? And so, you know, I kind of I put myself in Zechariah's shoes. I'd probably be asking some of the same questions. Is this part of the Christmas story of John the Baptist getting me prepared the way for Jesus? Too good to be true. So, I can identify with Zechariah and his questioning in this story. Well, let's shift over now to the same angel, Gabriel, is going to go to Mary, who's going to be the mother of Jesus, and ask her on behalf of God if she's willing to be the mother of Jesus. Now, you got to understand that Mary is probably somewhere around the age of 13, a, a young teenager, and she's engaged to be married, not fully yet married to Joseph. It's a little different than kind of our marriage today, but in the process of, of getting married. And the angel shows up and says, Hello, favored one. The Lord is with you. And this is how Mary responds to that greeting from the angel Gabriel in Luke chapter 1, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So Mary's a little on edge. I guess we all would be if an angel popped up and, woof, hey, here we are. 
might put us a little bit on edge as well. So the angel goes into the, the story and says, hey, God has chosen you to be the mother of the Messiah, and, you, and it's going to be Jesus. He's going to save people uh, from their sins and, and bring salvation. And Mary replies, you know, again, maybe like Zechariah, just a little skeptical. Well, how's this going to happen? Because, hey, I'm not fully married yet. How can I have a child? You know, you know how things work. And the angel says to her, well, the Holy Spirit is going to make you pregnant with, with the Messiah, with Christ. And so she takes a few moments to ponder it over, and, and this is what she ends up saying to the angel Gabriel after she's had some time to, to think through it. Luke 1, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Then jumping ahead to verses 46 through 50. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. So Mary, a little skeptical at first. She listened to what the, the angel Gabriel had to say later. She realized it's probably going to be still a little challenging. You're going to be pregnant, not fully married yet, age 13. People are going to be talking. This could be challenging. But hey, you're the angel Gabriel. God sent you to me. This is an amazing opportunity. I'm faithful, and I'm, gonna, I'm in. I'm going to do it. And she sings this, this great song of her joy at being selected by God to be a part of this story. And so for Mary, a little skepticism, but now she's giving it a shot. Maybe it's not too good to be true. I want to be in on this. I want to be in on this Christmas thing, this Christmas miracle. And so, you know, kind of a couple of different approaches from Zechariah and from Mary's perspective. Is Christmas too good to be true? Well, as we think about different aspects of Christmas, maybe we, we, can, we can consider to mull this in our minds. As we think about uh, our tradition at South Park Church of having a Christmas Eve offering, in which we choose a charity, charities, ministries, to take up this special offering, and we give 100% of that away. Right? From the outside, some people might be skeptical. Wait, what do you mean? You're going you're gonna to bring your hard-earned money, and you're going to give 100% of that away. Right? That, that might be too good to be true. Uh, but it isn't. Right? We do that every year. This will be the ninth year that, that we're in the process of doing that, and it brings us great joy. And it's fun for us to, to think and pray and, and see how the, the money's used to help people in the name of Jesus. That this is the way that we give Jesus a birthday present. It's not too good to be true. But from the outside, people might be skeptical. Yeah, sure, a church is going to give 100% of that offering away. We know how churches are with money. Right? But that's that's got to be too good to be true. And this year, uh, we uh, have selected uh, the United Negro College Fund, UNCF as our Christmas Eve recipient. And I'm super excited about this. I believe that God has called us to, to, to select this cheery. This is ultimately my call, and uh, I appreciate the leadership allowing me to do that prayerfully. I consult our outreach team, and uh, Cheryl Brooks, who's the leader of that team, helps me do some research, and then I just I think and pray about it. And I think God just put this on my heart, United Negro College Fund, uh, because it helps African-American students get an education, gives them the finances to be able to do that. And 70% of those who receive these, these grants, these scholarships, graduate from college, which is almost twice the rate of what all African Americans 
graduate college, their graduation rate is. So a highly successful program. And what's neat about this is the way we were able to set it up is that this will go to North Carolina students attending North Carolina colleges and universities. And the UNCF has over 30 different colleges and universities that they're connected to. But the beauty of what we're doing is that a student who receives a grant from UNCF that we've donated funds to can go to any school, any college or any university in North Carolina and utilize those funds. And again, 70% who receive these scholarships graduate, which is twice, right at twice the rate of all African-Americans who graduate from college. And so I'm just guessing that if someone has chosen to receive this scholarship, they might at first be skeptical. What do you mean? I, I'm receiving this scholarship, right? No strings attached, you know? People have donated money, this church has donated money so that I can go to school, you know? Is this too good to be true? It's not. It's not because in this, in what we do with Christmas Eve offering is that there is a price to pay. And that price is that we give sacrificially of our income. Uh, because already we're giving to the church for our ministry budget. Uh, a lot of us have been giving on top of that to the capital campaign to help build our new campus. And so this is an ask above that. So this is truly sacrificial giving, right? The, the scholarship money that we're giving to the UNCF, it, it, it comes with a price. And we're willing to pay that price because we believe that Jesus uh, is, is worth honoring by helping people in his name. And so it, while it sounds on the surface too good to be true, it is true because there's a price to be paid, a sacrificial giving price that's paid that we choose to pay ourselves because we love Jesus and we believe in helping others in his name, right? So, so maybe Christmas is not too good to be true. Another thing happening this Christmas that seems too good to be true is that we're moving into our new campus later this month, which is super exciting. We're, we're scheduled as of now to have our first in-person worship services in the new campus on Sunday, December 20th, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll still do online uh, services as well, for those of you who live out of town or are not able to get into the new campus because our capacity is limited because of COVID-19, uh, but we're super excited. And for a lot of us, it seems like we've been in this so long, it seems too good to be true that we're finally at the point where we can move into the new campus. In fact, today is our last remote worship service where we're blending our worship traditions, where we have traditional music and, and elements, as well as modern music and elements into one. This is our last Sunday. We've been doing this for eight months of this blended remote worship service, and this is our last Sunday to do that. It, it, it's, it's amazing to think that we've come this far. Uh, and in some ways it's exciting, in some ways it's sad. This, is, this has been a, a fun chapter, and so we have mixed emotions, but, but we've been working towards this, moving into the new campus. So next Sunday... Uh, we're going to shift our online times to 9 o'clock for our traditional service and 11 o'clock for our modern service. And we'll hope you'll tune in to whichever one that you feel led to watch, or maybe both. And if you missed the 9 or 11, you can watch them later online as well. Uh, but what we're going to be doing is the worship leaders and I will be going into the campus, just us, and we're going to live stream from the new campus uh, to kind of you know, learn our way and, and, and figure out what we're doing in the new space, new technology, all that kind of stuff, so that we can be ready 
uh, at least as ready as possible, to launch in person on Sunday, December 20th. So a lot of things coming up. And, you know, I, I just want to take some time to thank you. Thank you for being patient with us during remote ministry. We had some bumps at the beginning, just like we had some bumps when we first started doing ministry in the movie theater. And I just want to thank our, our choir for all that they've done. It's been very challenging to be able to do what they do musically uh, out in, in the remote world and the internet. And grateful to uh, Dr. Katie Ann for leading them, uh, for Nanya and for Ruby and our soloists for doing that, for uh, Ryan Rich for helping with some of the, the technology on that side, for uh, our modern uh, worship team with Cole leading that group in, in just such an awesome way. And we had drums and guitars and keyboards and Brad Hamilton for doing such an awesome mix on, on the sound to get it ready for the internet. Uh, just so much involved in that. I uh, just want to thank uh, the rest of our worship staff, Pastor Lindsay for all that, that she has done, for Chris and Nikki and for Jenny uh, stepping in front of the camera where they're not used to, to being there and have done an outstanding job. Uh, and so, you know, all the staff for Kevin and just for all that he has done uh, to bring this together, our director of creative. And he's taken all the video elements that we send uh, to him and puts it together and, and weaves in the lyrics and the videos and makes sure the, the songs are lined up with the, the voices and all that kind of stuff. And so it's just this, it's this long, drawn-out process that we couldn't do without him. And so staff has been doing this on top of their other duties and getting ready for the new campus. And I know that Jenny and Kevin have been involved heavily in the furniture and fixtures and electronics side of the inside of the church. And just all the things that the staff has done, just want to thank you. Thank you. And so I just would invite all of you right now maybe to drop some love in the comments for our hardworking staff and our, our hardworking lay uh, worship leaders over the course of this remote ministry. And I also like to say a special thank you to the families of all these folks because you have allowed us to come into your home, to invite us into your homes. Uh, and it's hard, right? Where everybody's watching every detail in your living room. It's like, oh, I don't know if I like that. I do like that. You know, it's just funny how we are as people. And it's vulnerable putting your, your, your life, you're like your your castle out into the whole world to be able to see that. And uh, it, it's, it's taking sacrifices. I know that when I film uh, the sermons each week that I have to ask my wife and my two sons to completely leave the house. Uh, that sounds mean, but, but we have to do that for me to be able to do this. And sometimes I have to do it again and again and again. And, and all of our staff have had to reshoot things. And so just long story short, um, it's taken a lot of work to get here. And I thank all of you for making that possible. And I just thank all of you for the last eight years. It's taken all of us together. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. A lot of time, a lot of money. A lot of surrendering our personal preferences. Uh, surrendering our entire uh, former campus. Right? We have made major sacrifices. And so when we think about moving into the new campus, it seems on one hand to be too good to be true. But we know how much work has gone into that. And that there was a price to, to be paid, many prices to be paid. And we've been willing to pay those prices. And so while it seems too good to be true, we know that there's a lot of work and sacrifice that's gone into that. And so I thank you for that. And I celebrate with you that we're to the point of moving into the new campus. Uh, and in the, in the same kind of vein of thinking here, I'd just like to 
thank you in advance for your patience as we move into the new campus, as we begin to do live streaming, uh, which is not something that we're used to doing. We do pre-recorded you know, worship services. We're moving into live streaming. And so we're going to learn a new campus, new sanctuaries, new parking, all kinds of new procedures. Uh, and so we're doing training in the next couple of weeks. And, and there's still going to be bumps in the road. We're going to drop the ball some, just like we did when we first moved into the movie theater, just like we did when we first started doing the remote ministry uh, online that you're watching right now. And so thanks in advance for understanding that there are going to be bumps in the road. We're going to have these COVID-19 precautions, and, and not all of us are going to agree with what those precautions are, but I just would ask that you go ahead and, and be prayerfully preparing your hearts to follow the precautions as, as our leadership believes God is calling to, to roll them out, because uh, we want to keep people safe while we'll also be allowed to come together and worship God together. So thanks in advance for what you've already done, just giving a lot of gracious and a lot of patience, uh, and, and God's going to do some cool things. Now, still to the question, right, is Christmas too good to be true? Right? We, we've seen the Christmas Eve offering is not too good to be true. It, 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 it takes sacrifice. We, we see that moving into a new campus is not too good to be true. It takes a lot of work and, and a lot of sacrifices. There's been prices that have been paid. I think we're going to see the same thing when we really look at the Christmas story. I want to go back to the Gospel of Luke. And what has happened since we just left Mary is Jesus is born. Uh, the angels and shepherds come, all that kind of good stuff. And the time comes for Mary and Joseph to take Jesus to the, the religious temple, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem that we mentioned earlier. Uh, kind of a rite of passage to, to introduce Jesus uh, to God, right? Uh, that sounds kind of weird because Jesus is God, but it, it, it's a, a ritual, a rite of passage, religious, right? To present Jesus at the temple. And while they're there, they're going to meet a man named Simeon, who is a faithful follower of God. He's advanced in years as well, and the Holy Spirit, part of God, God himself, said to Simeon that before you die, you're going to get to see the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And as Mary and Joseph you know, carry young Jesus into the temple, it says that Simeon takes young Jesus into his arms, uh, which is, could you imagine holding Jesus in your arms? How incredibly cool and scary that, that would be. I don't drop baby Jesus, right? Uh, but anyway, he's got young Jesus. And, and he, he says these amazing things to Mary and Joseph that the Holy Spirit have, has given to him to say. And it talks about him being the Messiah and, and the Savior. Uh, and it's, it's all the cool stuff, right? Too good to be true. But then the way that Simeon ends his discussion with, with Joseph and Mary really shifts tone and reminds us just how serious it is that, that Jesus has come. So let's go back to Luke one more time. Chapter 2, verses 33 through 35. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That's not quite the happy ending that Joseph and Mary probably wanted to walk away from the temple with. Simeon has been given this special revelation from the Holy Spirit that not all is going to be well for Jesus or for Mary and Joseph. Jesus is going to suffer. And the way that he's going to save us is, is through his death. 
and his subsequent resurrection. And that Mary is going to be a witness of this. And her own heart's going to be pierced as, as her own son is tortured and dies in front of her. And so as we think about the Christmas story, is it too good to be true? I don't think so. Because it comes with a heavy price tag. It comes with the, the, the price tag of, of the life of Jesus himself. It, it, it rips the heart of Mary and Joseph apart. Right? This is a high cost to pay for Jesus to be among us. But it's a cost that Jesus thinks is worth paying. You and I are worth the price. Jesus believes that. That's why I left heaven. That's why I came to the earth. That's why he's among us. That's why the kingdom of God is among us. It's because there was a price to be paid and Jesus was willing to pay that price. So what? What's the point? What's the big idea? What, what's the takeaway today? I, I think it's this. Something is too good to be true when there's no apparent price to pay. Something's too good to be true when there's no apparent price to pay. Is the Christmas Eve offering too good to be true? Absolutely not, because we have to pay a price to give sacrificially above and beyond what we're already giving to God so that people can receive an education. Right? And we do that because we love God. We do that because we love people. Is moving into our new campus too good to be true that we're finally there? It's just too good to be true? No, it's not. We, we've paid a high price to get here. Blood, sweat, tears, time, money, you name it. But we believe that was a price that's worth paying so that we can share the gospel with as many people as possible in our community. Is Christmas too good to be true? Absolutely not. It comes with a huge price tag. Jesus paid for it with his life. He suffered and he died so that you and I can be forgiven. Our wrongdoing can be forgiven. Our guilt and shame can be taken away. We can have instead joy and inner peace and life to the full and life forever in the kingdom of heaven. And that cost Jesus everything. But he was willing to pay that price because in his eyes, you and I are priceless. Jesus paid that price, and you and I are priceless. What I would say is don't waste the price that Jesus paid. We need to accept that gift. We, we need to invite Jesus to forgive us. We need to believe in, in, in who he is and what he did. He died on that cross and came back to life so that we can have life to the full and have life forever in the kingdom of heaven. And We, we don't want to let the price that he paid go to waste. And so I invite you right now, if you've not yet done it in your life, to open your heart and invite Jesus in. To, to invite him to forgive you and to say that you believe in him, that you want to turn away from life without him and, and have him be the reason that you, that you live. Right? And for those of us who follow Jesus, maybe we, it's time for us to recommit to that and, and to thank Jesus for the price that he paid. Right? That we're going to, again, celebrate that in Easter later next year, but that's what Christmas leads to. And so we don't want the price that Jesus paid to go to waste because you're priceless in, in Jesus' eyes. And so today, a great way that we can honor this and, and, and remember this is, is to receive the gift of Holy Communion. Right? And so if you've not yet had a chance just to grab something to eat, grab something to drink, I've got a, a, a slice of bread, I've got some apple juice, and we're going to celebrate what Jesus did for us as we remember 
that the last time Jesus, when he was on the earth and with his disciples as an adult, he, he took a loaf of bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. As often as you do this, remember me. And after that, he took a cup of wine and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many so that your sins may be forgiven. As often as you do this, remember me. So in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to eat symbolically of the body of Christ and drink symbolically of the blood of Christ. And what it means is that we're saying, yes, God, I, I want to follow you. I want life to the full. I want life everlasting. I want to thank you for making a sacrifice so that I can live this life that you offer to me. And this is a gift for all of us. You don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a baptized Christian. This is God's free gift for all of us. So I just would invite you to just join me in a, a, a moment of prayer. Gracious God, thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. Christmas is not too good to be true because you paid the highest price possible. You left heaven, you came to the earth, you died on a cross, and you came back to life, Lord. We can't imagine the sacrifice that you made for us. Thank you, God, that this is not a pipe dream. Thank you that this is a, a reality that we can be a part of. And so, God, please now just hear our silent confessions of the things that we've done wrong against you and against people in our lives, Lord. Please hear now our silent confessions. God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on a cross. Thank you for coming as that baby, Lord. Thank you for coming back to life after you, you died on that cross as a grown-up, Lord. Thank you for living forever and giving us the chance to have life to the full now and life forever in the kingdom of heaven. So God, we ask that whatever we're eating today would become symbolically the body of Christ broken for us. And that whatever we're drinking today, God, would become symbolically the blood of Jesus shed for us, Lord, so that we can open ourselves to this miracle that you have offered us, life to the full and life everlasting in the glorious kingdom of heaven. It's in the holy name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. And so I'd like to invite you now to grab whatever it is that you have and know. Uh, that this is a way that we can receive Jesus into our lives when we open ourselves to receive the great gift that Christ offers us. This is symbolically the body of Jesus broken for you. And if you'll take whatever it is that you have to drink and know this also now is symbolically the blood of Jesus shed for us. It helps us connect to Jesus and receive his gift of forgiveness, life to the full, and life everlasting. Symbolically, the blood of Jesus shed for us. Something is too good to be true if there's no apparent price to pay. Jesus paid the ultimate price so that you and I can live life to the full now and forever in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus thinks you and I are worth that price that he paid. Don't let the price go to waste. Receive Jesus and be blessed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.